I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a calming bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. Our sleep story is the final chapters of Alice in Wonderland. Alice is at a trial with the king, the queen, and the white rabbit. Strange things are happening, and after a while, they ask Alice for her evidence. Alice has started growing again, and this is causing some problems. But before we continue with our story, let's take a moment to relax. We can practice our deep breathing anytime or anywhere. But before bed, let's first turn down the lights, get comfortable, and make sure that everything feels as it should. Now close your eyes if you'd like, and we'll begin with a few slow, deep belly breaths. Each time you breathe in, breathe all the way down into your belly. When you breathe in, be sure to slowly breathe through your nose. And when you breathe out, try to push all the air out of your lungs. Breathe in. And breathe out. Notice how you feel when you take these deep breaths. How you get more and more relaxed with each breath. How the weight of your body sinks into the bed. Breathe in. And breathe out. Throughout this time of relaxation and our story, thoughts of the day or the day to come may enter your mind. That's okay and normal. When they come, just try to return your attention to your breathing, to the story, and music. Breathe in and breathe out. Perfect. Let's continue with the final chapters of Alice in Wonderland. The King and Queen of Hearts were seated on their throne when they arrived, with a great crowd assembled about them, all sorts of little birds and beasts, as well as the whole pack of cards. Near the King was the White Rabbit, with a trumpet in one hand and a scroll of parchment in the other. In the middle of the court was a table with a large dish of tarts upon it. They looked so good that it made Alice quite hungry to look at them. I wish they'd get the trial done, she thought, and hand around the refreshments. 
but there seemed to be no chance of this. So she began looking at everything around her to pass away the time. Alice had never been in a court before, but she had read about them in books, and she was quite pleased to find that she knew the name of nearly everything there. That's the judge, she said to herself, because of his great wig. The judge, by the way, was the king, and as he wore his crown over the wig, he did not look at all comfortable. And that's the jury box, thought Alice, and those 12 creatures, she was obliged to say creatures, you see, because some of them were animals and some were birds. I suppose they are the jurors. The 12 jurors were all writing very busily on slates. What are they doing? Alice whispered to the griffin. They can't have anything to put down yet. The trial hasn't even begun. They're putting down their names, the griffin whispered in reply, because they're afraid they will forget them before the end of the trial. Silly things, Alice began in a loud, upset voice, but she stopped quickly, for the white rabbit cried out, Silence in the court! And the king put on his glasses and looked anxiously around to see who was talking. Harold, read the accusation, said the king. At this, the white rabbit blew three blasts on the trumpet and then unrolled the parchment scroll and read as follows. The queen of heart, she made some tarts, all on a summer day. The knave of hearts, he stole those tarts and took them quite away. Consider your verdict, the king said to the jury. Not yet, not yet, the rabbit quickly interrupted. There's a great deal to come before that. Call the first witness, said the king, and the white rabbit blew three blasts on the trumpet and called out, First witness. The first witness was the hatter. He came in with a teacup in one hand and a piece of bread and butter in the other. I beg your pardon, your majesty, he began, for bringing these in, but I hadn't quite finished my tea when I was sent for. You should have finished, said the king. When did you begin? The hatter looked at the March Hare, who had followed him into the court, arm in arm with the Dormouse. Fourteenth of March, I think it was, he said. Fifteenth, said the March Hare. Sixteenth, added the Dormouse. Write that down, the king said to the jury, and the jury eagerly wrote down all three dates on their slates and then added them up. Take off your hat, the king said to the hatter. It isn't mine, said the hatter. Stolen, the king exclaimed, turning to the jury, who instantly made a note of the fact. I keep them to sell, the hatter added as an explanation. I've none of my own. I'm a hatter. Here the queen put on her glasses and began staring at the hatter, who turned pale and fidgeted. Give your evidence, said the king, and don't be nervous or I'll have you sent away. 
This did not seem to encourage the witness at all. He kept shifting from one foot to the other, looking uneasily at the queen. And in his confusion, he bit a large piece out of his teacup instead of the bread and butter. Just at this moment, Alice felt a very curious sensation, which puzzled her a great deal until she made out what it was. She was beginning to grow larger again, and she thought at first she would get up and leave the court. But on second thoughts, she decided to remain where she was, as long as there was room for her. I wish you wouldn't squeeze so, said the Dormouse, who was sitting next to her. I can hardly breathe. I can't help it, said Alice very meekly. I'm growing. You've no right to grow here, said the Dormouse. Don't talk nonsense, said Alice more boldly. You know you're growing too. Yes, but I grow at a reasonable pace, said the Dormouse and he got up very sulkily and crossed over to the other side of the court. All this time, the queen had never stopped staring at the hatter. And just as the dormouse crossed the court, she said to one of the officers of the court, bring me the list of the singers in the last concert. On which the wretched hatter trembled so that he shook both his shoes off. Give your evidence, the king repeated angrily, or I will have you sent away, whether you're nervous or not. I'm a poor man, your majesty, the hatter began in a trembling voice, and I hadn't begun my tea, not above a week or so, and what with the bread and butter getting so thin and the twinkling of the tea. The twinkling of the what, said the king, It began with the tea, the hatter replied. Of course, twinkling begins with a tea, said the king sharply. Go on. I am a poor man, the hatter went on, and most things twinkled after that. Only the March Hare said, I didn't. The March Hare interrupted in a great hurry. You did, said the hatter. I'll deny it, said the March Hare. He denies it, said the king. Leave out that part. Well, at any rate, the Dormouse said. The Hatter went on, looking anxiously around to see if he would deny it too. But the Dormouse denied nothing, being fast asleep. After that, continued the Hatter, I cut some more bread and butter. But what did the Dormouse say? One of the jury asked. That I can't remember, said the Hatter. You must remember, said the King, or I will have you sent away. The miserable Hatter dropped his teacup and bread and butter and went down on one knee. I am a poor man, your majesty, he began. You are a very poor speaker, said the King. If that's all you know about it, you may stand down, continued the King. I can't go any lower, said the Hatter. I'm on the floor as it is. Then you may sit down, the king replied. I'd rather finish my tea, said the Hatter, with an anxious look at the queen, 
who was reading the list of singers. You may go, said the king, and the hatter quickly left the court without even waiting to put his shoes on. Call the next witness, said the king. The next witness was the duchess's cook. She carried the pepper box in her hand, and Alice guessed who it was, even before she got into the court, by the way the people near the door began sneezing all at once. Give your evidence, said the king. Can't, said the cook. The king looked anxiously at the white rabbit, who said in a low voice, Your majesty must cross-examine this witness. Well, if I must, I must, the king said with a melancholy air, and, after folding his arms and frowning at the cook till his eyes were nearly out of sight, he said in a deep voice, What are tarts made of? Pepper mostly, said the cook. Treacle, said a sleepy voice behind her. Call her that dormouse, the queen shrieked out. Put that dormouse out of the court. Suppress him, pinch him. For some minutes, the whole court was in confusion, getting the dormouse put out, and by the time they had settled down again, the cook had disappeared. Never mind, said the king with an air of great relief. Call the next witness. And he added in an undertone to the queen. Really, my dear, you must cross-examine the next witness. It quite makes my forehead ache. Alice watched the white rabbit as he fumbled over the list, feeling very curious to see what the next witness would be like. For they haven't gotten much evidence yet, she said to herself. Imagine her surprise when the white rabbit read out at the top of his shrill little voice the name Alice. Here, cried Alice, quite forgetting in the flurry of the moment how large she had grown in the last few minutes. And she jumped up in such a hurry that she tipped over the jury box with the edge of her skirt, upsetting all the jurymen. Oh, I beg your pardon, she exclaimed in a tone of great dismay and began picking them up again as quickly as she could. The trial cannot proceed, said the king in a very serious voice, until all the jurymen are put back in their proper places. All, he repeated with great emphasis, looking hard at Alice as he said so. Alice looked at the jury box and saw that in her haste, she had put the lizard in upside down and the poor little thing was waving its tail about in a sad way, being quite unable to move. She soon got it out again and put it right. As soon as the jury had recovered a little from the shock of being upset and their slates and pencils had been found and handed back to them, they set to work very diligently to write out a history of the accident, all except the lizard, who seemed to be much overcome to do anything but sit with its mouth open, gazing up into the roof of the court. What do you know about this business? The king said to Alice. Nothing, said Alice. 
Nothing whatsoever, persisted the king. Nothing whatever, said Alice. Hmm, that's very important, the king said, turning to the jury. They were just beginning to write this down on their slates when the white rabbit interrupted. Unimportant, your majesty means, of course, he said in a very respectful tone, but frowning and making faces at him as he spoke. Unimportant, of course, I meant, the king quickly said, and went on to himself in an undertone. Important, unimportant, unimportant, important? As if he were trying to figure out which word sounded best. Some of the jury wrote it down, important, and some unimportant. Alice could see this as she was near enough to look over their slates, but it doesn't matter a bit she thought to herself. At this moment, the king, who had been for some time busily writing in his notebook, cackled out, Silence! and read out from his book, Rule 42. All persons more than a mile high need to leave the court. Everybody looked at Alice. I am not a mile high, said Alice. You are, said the king. Nearly two miles high, added the queen. Well, I won't go at any rate, said Alice. Besides, that's not a regular rule. You invented it just now. It's the oldest rule in the book, said the king. Then it should be number one, said Alice. The king turned pale and closed his notebook quickly. Consider your verdict, he said to the jury, in a low, trembling voice. Oh, there's more evidence to come yet, please, your majesty, said the white rabbit, jumping up in a great hurry. This paper has just been picked up. What's in it, said the queen. I haven't opened it yet, said the white rabbit, but it seems to be a letter written by the prisoner to, to somebody. It must have been that, said the king unless it was written to nobody, which isn't unusual, you know. Who was it written to, said one of the jurymen. It isn't directed at anyone at all, said the white rabbit. In fact, there's nothing written on the outside. He unfolded the paper as he spoke and added, it isn't a letter after all, it's a set of verses. Are they in the prisoner's handwriting? Asked another of the jurymen. No, they're not, said the white rabbit, and that's the strangest thing about it. Please, your majesty, said the knave, I didn't write it, and they can't prove I did. There's no name signed at the end. If you didn't sign it, said the king, that only makes the matter worse. You must have meant some mischief, or else you'd have signed your name like an honest man. There was a general clapping of hands at this. This proves his guilt, said the queen. It proves nothing of the sort, said Alice. Why, you don't even know what they're about. Read them, said the king. The white rabbit put on his glasses. Where shall I begin, your majesty, he asked. Begin at the beginning, the king said, and go on until you come to the end, then stop. These were the verses the white rabbit read. They told me you had been to her and mentioned me to him. 
She gave me a good character, but said I could not swim. He sent them word I had not gone. We know it to be true. If she said push the matter on, what would become of you? I gave her one, they gave him two. You gave us three or more. They all returned from him to you, though they were mine before. If I or she should chance to be involved in this affair, he trusts to you to set them free, exactly as we were. My notion was that you had been, before she had this fit, an obstacle that came between him and ourselves and it. Don't let him know she liked them best, for this must ever be, a secret kept from all the rest, between yourself and me. That's the most important piece of evidence we've heard yet, said the king, rubbing his hands. So now let the jury... If any one of them can explain it, said Alice. If there's no meaning in it, said the king, that saves a world of trouble, you know, as we needn't try to find any. And yet, I don't know, he went on, spreading out the verses on his knee and looking at them with one eye. I seem to see some meaning in them after all. Said I could not swim. You can't swim, can you? He added, turning to the knave. The knave shook his head sadly. Do I look like I can swim, he said. All right so far, said the king, and he went on muttering over the verses to himself. We know it to be true. That's the jury, of course. I gave her one, they gave him two. Why, that must be what he did with the tarts, you know. But it goes on, they all returned from him to you, said Alice. Why, there they are, said the king, triumphantly pointing to the tarts on the table. Nothing can be clearer than that. Then again, before she had this fit, you never had any fits, my dear, I think, he said to the queen. Never, said the queen furiously. Then the words don't fit you, said the king looking around the court with a smile. It's a pun, the king added in an offended tone, and everyone laughed. Let the jury consider their verdict, the king said, for about the twentieth time that day. No, no, said the queen. Sentence first, verdict afterwards. Stuff and nonsense, said Alice loudly. The idea of having the sentence first... Hold your tongue, said the queen, turning purple. I won't, said Alice. Get her out of here, the queen shouted at the top of her voice. Nobody moved. Who cares for you, said Alice. She had grown to her full size by this time. You're nothing but a pack of cards. At this, the whole pack rose up into the air and came flying down upon her. She gave a little scream, half of fright and half of anger, and tried to beat them off, and found herself lying on the bank with her head in the lap of her sister, who was gently brushing away some leaves that had fluttered down from the trees upon her face. "'Wake up, Alice, dear,' said her sister. "'Why, 
What a long sleep you've had. Oh, I have had such a curious dream, said Alice. And she told her sister, as well as she could remember them, all the strange adventures of hers that you have just been reading about. And when she had finished, her sister kissed her cheek and said, It was a curious dream, dear, certainly. But now, run into your tea, it's getting late. So Alice got up and ran off, thinking while she ran, as well she might, what a wonderful dream it had been. And that is the end of our story. Good night, sleep tight.